is uh, Corey on the mic, uh, and this is the Two Tobies podcast. Uh, and here I have my boy Toby here with me. Toby, hey, how are you guys doing this week? Um, it's great being here. Yes. So a lot has happened since the last time we were here. A lot. La- last time we were here was uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. <laughs> it's crazy how the the meet the this election cycle has been so frantic. There's been like five major storylines yep. since the last time we met. Yep. Uh, can we can we run down the list? Okay, so which ones do I remember? So we oh, ended yeah. up at RBG dying. Yeah. That was a big, that was yeah. a huge thing. That was a good And then sure. while we were on air, Trump announced Amy Coney Barrett as her replacement. Yes. That was an, another breaking story. Yes, that was another breaking story. Now, what's happened since then? Okay, the real big one. Trump got COVID. Crazy. That's the real big one. Crazy. <laughs> Number two, Trump Trump went into, into the debate. Yes, presidential debate. Number three, Pence also went into the debate. Yes. Yes. They did. Number four. The next debate has basically been been now canceled. Canceled, I know. Number five. Do you have a number five? Um, number five, I would say. Um, well, the debate got canceled. No, so I, I like to go over it chronologically. So, ACB was nominated. Mm-hmm. The debate happened mm-hmm. at the debate. Mm-hmm. Huge. Huge headline. They asked Trump specifically, do you now denounce white supremacy? And he was like, initially he was like, they were asking him, there was a lot going on. There was this weird pause, remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then His- Joe Biden was like buttoning, yes. He was like, okay, okay. Who, who do you want me to denounce? That's what he said. Then Joe Biden said, proud boys. Proud them. Joe Biden said, proud boys. And he said, proud boys, stand back and, and stand, stand by. by. <laughs> Yo, that in itself was its own headline. The rest of the debate was raucous. I mean, these guys were going at each other. You guys all know what, what happened. I didn't even have to explain it to you. But that in itself was its own separate headline. Mm-hmm. Trump refuses to disavow white supremacy. So let's take that on first. Um, what do you think is going on with that? The fact that they keep asking him to denounce white supremacy. What, what do you think is the genesis of, of that? Because I'll tell you, I feel like a lot of this stuff is fabricated. No, like, a lot of this stuff is generated. No, like, a lot of these headlines are, they're, they, they're planted by the media. Don't get me wrong, Trump doesn't make it easier either. Yeah. And Trump makes it easy for them mm-hmm. to make these headlines. But I'll just tell you, the source of it was Charlottesville. That was where it all started. It went before Charlottesville. You think so? Yeah. But Charlottesville was when it really started to, there was this question about Trump's affinity for white supremacy groups. Mm -hmm. That was the first time. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about that? Let me actually, um, let me actually kind of of like. um, Pull it to you. let Let me actually like kind of actually like move back a little bit because like in 2016 Ooh. if you remember i believe it was in october yes 
Hillary Clinton came out and she gave like a huge condemnation of, you know, um, the alt-rights back then. Trump supporters. And, and then, she said she called them deplorables. No, no. There was the deplorables comment. Yes. And then there was also the alt-right. Alt-right was something totally special. Okay. She came out and condemned them and said, um, you know, there's this white supremacist alt-rights yeah. group that's linked to Trump. And obviously, as we know since then, except anyone has been disingenuous or, dis- or dishonest, mm-hmm. number one. The alt-right were never any significant bunch of people. No. And number two, since since then, no one even talks about the, the alt-right anymore. I know. Today, like, I know. that then is all gone. And then now... Do, do you know what they replaced them with? The white supremacists and the Nazis. That That's what you hear. That's yeah, the, true. Those are the terms you hear now. True. True. And then in um, 2018, mm-hmm. there was the whole... Um, Unites the Right rally in Charlottesville. Yes. Where the white supremacists came together. Mm-hmm. And there was the, the lady that was killed. And, you know, they were all yelling all those, you know, slurs and mm-hmm. and things like that. Yes. It was those guys with the tiki tor- yes. torches. Yes. The guys with the tiki um, torches. Do you know what group that was? Like, they, 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 those guys were a legit white supremacy group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, They came out and they came out protesting the takedown of those statues. Yes. That was really what it was. Yes. It, let's, 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 let's try to give people some context for mm-hmm. what happened here because I suspect a lot of people really don't, they, they hear that Trump was, was, was um, making a, a, a basically, the, the, you always hear Trump said um, there were good people on, on both sides. That's yeah. the comment yeah. that, get, that got the headline. There were good yeah. people on both sides. And when you really go back and look back at really what happened, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not here to say whether there were good people on both sides or not. Mm-hmm. I, I do know that there were bad people on both sides for sure. Yeah. No one. You had. Antifa. You had Antifa. And then you had the white supremacists and they clashed with one another. And, they, and they, well, it's, it's, it's even a little bit more complicated than that. Now, this rally was, it was, it was more than one day, right? It was like a several day rally. No, it was, no, it was one day. It was one day? Yeah. Okay. So. You had, in this group of people, it had to do with statues mm-hmm. that they wanted to bring down in North Carolina. In um, Virginia, Charlottesville. Oh, sorry, Virginia, sorry, Virginia, Charlottesville. Um, the statues were statues of Confederate yes. generals, right? Yes, Confer- Confederate monuments in, um, in, in um, downtown Charlottesville. Downtown Charlottesville. Some people didn't want them to bring down these statues. Yes. And some people wanted them to bring it down. Yes. I, it's safe to say that both people had a right to be there. Yeah, I mean, it's protected free speech. Protected free speech. Yeah. What would you say about the people that didn't want those studies, studies to be brought down? I guess because the, the question is, if you consider those people deplorable or white supremacy, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, that's really what we're talking about here, right? Um, what I would actually say is, is the white supremacists, in my own opinion, were a subset of people who didn't want the statues to come down. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. They were a subset. Yes. And that the same way and the Antifa people were also a subset of the people that were um, protesting against um the um the um the um white supremacists and yes. the whole protest. And yes. a very good So point. there were many groups here. Yes. You had the people, the peaceful protesters that were there mm-hmm. on both sides. Yes. We want the statues. We don't want the statues. Yes. That's two groups. Yes. You had the white supremacy people mm-hmm. that were there with their tiki torches saying, 
I mean, they were saying some really, really, really incendiary stuff. Uh, we don't need to repeat. We're not going to repeat it on yeah. here. Thank you. Um, and then you had the Antifa people that were there. Antifa is, they're like the militant group on the left. Anti-fascist, as they call it. Anti-fascist, they tend to resort to violence a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it happens. Like, I've heard of all kinds of stuff that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and their justification is that they are fighting people that are fascists or Nazis. So this whole place was a mess. And in this whole melee, a girl, I think there was like some kind of conflict during the protest. And this one guy that was on the white supremacy side drove, took a car, drove right into the protesters mm-hmm. and ended up killing this one girl. Yes. It's a white girl. Um, and that right there is always... It was a mess. It was a mess. So that's when, of course, there was that controversy. Uh, they asked the que- the president, and the president came out and said there were good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's that's really the source of this. Yes. Now they asked him to clarify later on, right? Mm-hmm. Like after, like yes. a, a day after, and he came, he came out and he said, "Look, I'm not talking about the white supremacists. I'm not talking about the neo Nazi people. Those people are horrible. They have no no place." Mm-hmm. So he did clarify. But it's been since then that this thing has been really hanging over the president's head. This whole embracing of white supremacy and whatnot. What I would actually say is there was always an attempt. Okay, don't let me say what attempt. There there has always been been talk for a very long time. As far back as um, the elections of 2016, they're like, you know, he embraces white supremacy. He's a white supremacist. But like it never totally stuck. Mm-hmm. But the whole incident with the whole Unite the, the Right rally and yes. also how he responded with his um with his own fine people's comments yes. was basically the free ammo he gave out it was to have himself shot. It felt like he was equivocating, like he was exactly. trying to, yes. And but what do you think? Do you really think that he was trying to embrace or he was Maybe he was hesitant to be critical of that side, of I'm, the white supremacists. I'm not going to say he was hesitant to be critical. And why is that? I think whether people like Trump or not, people need to understand something about Trump. Part of Trump's whole pitch, his whole whole campaign is um, being anti-quote-unquote political correctness Correct. and following all the, you know, strictures and all the um and and you know all the um things that are meant to be done yeah and for him it's like for him to always come out and say i am against white supremacy i'm against white supremacy yeah it's like he is basically telling the system that look these are some of you know the things people must be forced to do and i am not going along i think that's what it is i i think and i think if we take it back to that debate Mm -hmm. i think that was why he he didn't like the idea that he was being told do Once this to do, yeah. do this i think that's really what it is yeah. there's a stubbornness about donald trump absolutely but you know it would have been much easier for him to just say i denounce white supremacy exactly you know why because he said it several times in the past i'm going to play this clip okay it's to condemn white supremacy the neo-nazis he hasn't condemned the darn thing you've got david duke just joined 
a bigot. So this is what he was president. A problem. Would you, I'm not would looking you for, repudiate David Duke? Sure. David Duke and robocalls are out again. The white supremacist movement supporting you. Uh, do you have any know. words for that? Well, I disavow. David Duke endorsed me? Okay. All right. I disavow. Okay. When we looked at it and looked at the question, I disavowed David Duke. So I've disavowed David Duke all weekend long on Facebook, on Twitter, and really? obviously it's never enough. So are you prepared right now to make a clear and unequivocal I'm statement renouncing the support him. of all white supremacists? Of course I am. Of course I am. When Chris joined, we had a news conference, and they asked me the exact same question. I said, I disavow. I disavowed then. I disavowed today on ABC with George Stephanopoulos. I disavowed this again. Three minutes David long Duke is a bad disavowed. person who I disavowed on numerous occasions That's over the years. Job. I totally disavow <laughs> the Klu Klux Klan. Ad, I totally disavow debates. David Duke. Ultimately, he got to the Klu Klux Klan, which obviously I'm going to disavow. I reject David Duke, rejected David Duke. Uh, I've rejected the uh, KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. David Duke is saying to his supporters and followers, vote for Donald Trump. White supremacists are saying, vote. do you want those votes? No, I don't want them, and I don't want him to say it. And you I want, want the supporters? No, I don't want anything. I, what do you think of white times? supremacists, by the way? I don't like any group of hate. David Duke announced his Senate candidacy. Every interview. Claiming your agenda. Are you ready before you ask the question? Newt Gingrich said, every Republican <laughs> should repudiate this guy I no did. matter what it takes. And I do. Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuked. Rebuked. Done. Done. Do you want white supremacists to vote for you? No, I don't at all. Not at all. His campaign is denouncing a show of support from the KKK's official newspaper, as in the Ku Klux Klan. But then, this clip goes on for three minutes, but it's funny because a week before that, mm -hmm. he had actually declared the KKK. Yeah, in his, own, in his own platinum plan. Yeah, he had, he had declared them a, a hate well, I, they had always been a hate group, right? But he declared something out. No, like, uh, he, like he said something like, he, like Trump like released like this whole platinum plan for Black America, and yes. one of the things in the plan was, I believe, the KKK, and even also Antifa, mm -hmm. were going to be branded as terrorist groups. Aha, uh -huh, terrorist group. Okay, so that's that was the plan. Yes. Okay. So I guess so. My my next question is. Why do you think the media keeps throwing this question at at him? Because I get it that it's easy for him to just say I disavow, but at some point you do understand how you start to wonder like, why do you guys keep asking him the same thing over and over and over again? What what do you think is driving it? Um, how do I answer this question? Um, I think really speaking, it's a number of things. Um, I feel in a sense trying to like associate like the name Donald Trump with white supremacy in a way is a get out the votes tactic. It's a smear tactic. So like, for example, if people assume that like, you know, Donald Trump and white supremacy go together, go together. there's no way, you know, large segments of the, of the, of the population are we'll going to vote for him. Will vote for him. It's, he, he, he's, he, it'll make him radioactive. Exactly. If, if he's even pers if, if if you if you don't even see him that way, and he's perceived that way, exactly. You don't want to be perceived as voting for someone, someone that could even be remotely remotely associated. Yeah. That's what's going on here. This, this, this is I, you see, and this is what I've been trying to get to here. This is like this is a media generated thing, and mm -hmm. I that's why I keep trying to tell people mm -hmm. that. 
Donald Trump I mean, is a lot of things. I mean, and Donald Trump is a lot of things. I would also but like, we knew say Donald something. Trump long before he was president. I, I would also say his white supremacy thing was never a thing before he was president. I mean, I would also say something. Even like, 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 like actual you movie. You know like, you got movie, right? Yeah, that's true. Even like actual, like you know, white supremacists themselves do say it's that Donald Trump is a joke. <laughs> Yeah, he was Richard Spencer. Apparently, Richard Spencer said that he, he he's done with Trump. Yeah, Richard Spencer is done with Trump, and even claims that he's supporting, he's supporting Biden. Biden. You see what I'm saying? And it's funny because when Donald Duke said that he supported Trump, um, all they ever did was ask Trump about Donald Donald Duke. Mm-hmm. You would never see them ask Biden about freaking richard spencer you won't yeah and you see these are little 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 signs that you start understanding how how in the tank the media is and how they they, they pretty much become a wing of the democratic party they True. become a tool True. of the democratic party to True. get their message out let's let's not mistake this let's True. not mistake this they, they've become a propaganda arm the entire media and i'm not just saying the cable news shows. Mm-hmm. No, this is deeper than that. No, like one. This thing, is deeper than that. Now, one thing I would also say is, um, I was reading some um commentary um this week earlier by someone who writes a lot of commentary, and one thing he actually said is like, um, at the end of the day, one thing which people need to start really thinking deeply about in this country is the media in general needs to be reformed. Oh yeah. He said, "Like long overdue. like like serious media reform is needed, and I mean, in a sense, I would say people might not truly understand how much the media probably sways public opinion and probably even sways elections." Yeah. Oh yeah. They don't only sway elections. They, they, they mobilize. Yeah. Wars. Yeah. Let's let's and, let's keep it a no, buck. And, and they mobilize wars. And the media is something. a big is a big part of why we were able to get into the Iraq war. Let me just they go, enable no, that. No, let me also say two real quick things. If people like are really, really thinking hard and looking at things, it's the same media that's telling us right now that, you know, um whenever Whenever you're a black male and you leave your house, you know you're you're probably gonna get cut down by a bullet within ten seconds and things like that. And it's, you know it's so dangerous and, when they do that and, stuff. And it's this same media because that, no no wait 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 let me let me let me actually finish with this train of thought. Yeah. It's the same media that mobilized this country into the Iraq War. Yep. That alone should give people pause and say that. What's the agenda of these people? What are these guys, you know, really thinking about? And you know the funny thing, right? I don't know. I don't think members of the media necessarily know what is going on themselves. I, 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 in a lot of ways, I don't. It's I, not surprising. So, no, I, wait, wait, I, I, wait. Mm-hmm. It's not surprising, and I understand like what you're about to say here. You understand and, where I'm going, right? And and I would explain to you like, like the way things work naturally is is number one, people in the media live work and move within what's m- much or less an echo chamber 
So all yes. their friends, all their associates, they, they, said they share the same views with them mm -hmm. and things like that. Like the truth about the matter, and it might sound somehow saying this is, yep. and I guess this counts mainly for the big media companies because they're also, you know, all this NBC and Fox companies around. Yeah. For the big media companies, many of them simply haven't really, simply do not venture out of huge metropolitan areas they're, yeah. they're, they're mostly based in the coasts yes on and the east coast west coast they're coastal and, elites yeah and here is the danger if they only stay within those places and do not get me wrong here mm -hmm. i have no problem you know how they are and things like that but like if they do not have at least some level of connect with people outside the in the groups, middle with people outside their their groups, there are things going on which in a way will shock them. And they'll be like, What's happening to America? America yeah. is dying. Yeah. But even if, if if for example one doesn't necessarily support Donald Trump, right? Yes. But one number one knows people who support Donald Trump, mm -hmm. has been in places with people who support Donald Trump, mm -hmm. has spoken with people who support Donald Trump. Yeah. Even though ultimately you might not agree with the guy or you might have issues with the guy yeah some things will not necessarily shock you and some and you will understand some things so which is another thing and how it's been solved i don't know we need to figure out how we're gonna have a conversation after this, this election we're, we're gonna need to figure no, it out you know but like here's the problem um i'm not 100 percent sure that the converse the conversation will happen because here is the reality and i always say it in the early 2000s um western elites like in the uk and the us and things like that spent tens of billions of dollars if not trillions yeah trying to like export democracy to the middle east telling the world that you know democracy is very good you people must become democratic yeah. you people must become like you know the uk and the us well here is the irony Regardless of how you like the results, look at how, number one, they reacted to Brexit and Trump. Yeah. Because after all, Brexit and Trump were democratic events. They were. They were. And it was a... And basically, many of the same people mm -hmm. who were quote-unquote promoting democracy in the early 2000s mm -hmm. began saying things like, well, the populists make mistakes. Well, let's count... Like a very good example, look at Tony Blair, for example. Yes. He went into the Iraq war with George Bush mm -hmm. and he was one of the champions of, you know, the whole Iraq war. And when Brexit happened, one of the things he began saying was, you know, well, democracy has its loopholes. Sometimes voters <laughs> might make mistakes. Um, we might have to cancel the whole election. Like if they were really keeping to their so-called principles, yes, they would agree, which also leads me to the second thing I would say. So far, in in many cycles of elections, um, politicians, representatives, and things like that haven't listened to what people are saying. They haven't listened. They haven't listened, either either on the left or on the right. They have they have refused to listen or change course. And I think that's how we ended up with Trump. <laughs> I, I truly think that's how we ended up with Trump in the first place. True. Uh, I some people say this. Some people say there's a forgotten class of people. 
in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, some say it's the working class. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be more specific, some say it's the white, poor working class mm-hmm. that have been neglected that have been neglected, neglected. in this country. Mm-hmm. Others will hear that and they'll say, "Are you crazy?" There's white privilege. There's no such thing. They have advantages. What's your take on that? What's my take? Um, <laughs> I can see the wheels turning in your head. You're trying to figure um, out how to um, how to break this down. Without a doubt, there are like very serious problems within the white community, which people used to traditionally associate with like minorities or black people. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you read an author like J.D. Vance and um, Hugh Billy Elegy, mm-hmm. um, basically talking about the white working class social breakdown in Appalachia, using yes. his own perspective. And, and, and by Appalachia, please, can you help explain to people um, of who you're referring um, to? Appalachia, okay, like, Appalachia is the region in and around the Appalachian Mountains, Mountains yep. which run from, I believe, southern New York to northern Alabama. Okay. So basically, most of the south, yep. most of the Atlantic seaboard and things like that. So like, okay. if you look at things like, you know, opioid abuse, yes. family breakdown, yes. jobs, you know, gone away, and things like that, um, those are very serious issues and... And, and and would you say anyone, any politician out there has been vocal about it? No, no, not necessarily. So so do you think there is a case to be made that there is a forgotten class of people in this country? Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. We'll we'll come back because that's a and, that because that's a whole that's a deeper and, conversation. And let me let me just also say a quick few things um about this whole issue of um you know forgotten um forgotten people um i would also say in many ways it, it also cuts across race it does but also it's a huge mistake to imagine that it is just you know that White people have everything fall into their laps and white people do not have issues because I mean, look at like look like go to like any Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump rally. It's yeah. it's majority, majority white people white. who are there. And plus another thing which brews a lot of tensions is for example, imagine people from Appalachia. Yes. They're hearing, you know, people on T V and things like that talking about their white privilege. Mm-hmm. And it's it's someone who in their family they have people who are overdosing on opioids, people yeah. who have died from opioids. His son was killed in Afghanistan, and they listen to that and they're like, "What's going Toby, on?" What you just brought up, right, mm-hmm. might be this forgotten class of people. Mm-hmm. They might this might be the the central decider of this election. Mm-hmm. It could be. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's and, and, and my fear is that my fear is that these people are gonna see these things and they're gonna low key reelect Trump mm-hmm. and people are gonna be wondering what the heck happened. 
Look, it goes back to what we're saying a few minutes ago. People who report on many of these issues in the news, people who make all the polling data and things like that, in many ways, they are stuck within their bubble, which yeah. is another reason why, in many ways, polls have to be taken with a grain of a salt. Grain of salt. You need to ask, what's the sample size? Who was interviewed? You know. But then you think they've had decades and decades of of this polling, so you you think that they they would have gotten it right, right? No, but here's the thing: if people are are used to like doing one thing in one way, many times it's hard to to get people. All of a sudden, to begin changing things. Well, well, one thing we do know is that 2016 polls were skewed, yeah. right? I have a feeling that 2020 polls may be even more skewed than they were because of this this idea of the the shy Trump voter. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to this this shy Trump voter? That I mean, like, like basically, the whole idea is like there are a cohort of Trump voters out there who do not really want their views to be known. And yes. things like that because they fear um, social opprobrium. They, sh they fear their jobs being lost. They fear one of the things that yeah. we talked about already. About and you voting for a man that's associated with white supremacy. Exactly. And these are, these are things that people aren't paying attention to. Exactly. You hear some people and they sound so confident. They look at the polls. They're like, yes, Biden's up 8 points, 10 points. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you people, man. You people do not count your eggs before they hatch. Like, let me give us give a quick story, and I think I might have said this in the last podcast. Yeah, I was listening um once to like um a podcast by apparently he, um he must live like in in small town Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and he said that he knows one hundred percent that the small town he lives in is a majority Trump town that he knows without a shadow of a doubt in him. Hundred <laughs> percent. But he says like if you. If you um if you drive around the town, you see Biden. It's only Biden signs you see. Mm. <laughs> Wait, how? So how does he know? Has he talked to everyone in that town? Um, by background, he's like a political philosopher and okay. and things like that. So like, interesting. Basically, from his his role, he'll he'll have he'll know people and have insights. So so there's this, and I'm glad that we brought it up because there's this phenomenon of the shy Trump voter, uh -huh. disaffected Trump voters, uh -huh. that are not being accounted for in the media. Uh -huh. Here's the thing. I don't think the media is that stupid. They might be they might be in their coastal elite bubbles, but they're not that stupid. Keep in mind there's money behind these these people too. True. So here's my theory. Uh -huh. My theory is that the media knows about this. The media knows that there's a that is a huge I like I find it hard to believe that all of the media is completely Because look it's completely look, sorry. Look, here here is here is the main thing. And this thing is very logical. Why there will be a Trump uh, um um, sh um a shy Trump constituency. For example, let's think about this logically. Someone who goes into communities in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. Sorry about that guys. You're gonna hear a lot of background noise. I think I fixed it. Someone who goes into communities in um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Michigan mm -hmm. and begins blasting free trade deals and says there must be tariffs on China and bring back the jobs, that person basically has struck resonance with everything that's going on there because basically mm -hmm. they are like the center of like, you know, this whole thing of deindustrialization, yes. jobs going away. And basically that's what Trump is running on. Yeah. And the idea that, that um, um, all of a sudden since 2016, 
that that constituency has went down mm-hmm. is is questionable. But let me finish what I was saying. So I think the media knows of this phenomenon okay. and they know it's a real threat. Okay. But they're not really going to speak to it. Here's why. I think there's also this phenomenon, right, of... And here, this is why I feel like the polls are bullshit. I don't have any evidence for this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the way they present these polls to us, mm-hmm. it's being done in a way to suppress... I agree. ...voters. Have you ever heard of the phenomenon of when people... People tend to vote for who they think is going to win. Mm-hmm. People don't like being on the losing side. Ain't very that some true. bullshit? Very true. <laughs> so it's people just don't like being on the very on the psychological. Losing side. It's psychological. Mm-hmm. And when heading into the election polls, you see Donald Trump is down by fifteen points. Mm-hmm. There's a sense that oh, I don't want to. I don't really need to have to go out, out of my house. The guys are already about to lose. There's there's that factor, mm-hmm. right, where it suppresses that vote. Mm-hmm. There's also the factor of some people that are really truly undecided, they don't really know what's going on. They're not as engaged in the news mm-hmm. and they just want to be on the side that won. So they go to the poll and they see that, well, I guess everyone's voting for this guy. So let's I'm just giving him his vote. Yeah. I think that's playing into this to an extent. I find it hard to believe that the media is that stupid. These people have been doing this thing. Yes, I agree that they, they do have those Their blind bubbles, sides. Yeah. They have those blind sides and there's things that they don't see in in mid middle America mm-hmm. that they they're more privy to in and you know they they, they also have social circ- circles and that's that's always going to be reflected in their reporting mm-hmm. in, in their reporting mm-hmm. but I find it hard to believe that they are that stupid that they will completely neglect that there's other no, factors at play here no but like here is also the second thing if they begin acknowledging that sure that there is a huge Trump constituency out there that has grown since the year two thousand and sixteen yes. The next logical step is, okay, there's a huge constituency out there in the country. Mm-hmm. We will then it's begin asking, what's their problem? What are the issues? Oh, and they're not trying to get into that. that, that they're not that, trying to get into that. That's the key They're issue. not trying and, to get into those issues. And in my, own, in my own opinion, like, regardless of if people support Trump or not, mm-hmm. it's in their best interest to actually sit down and look through those issues if you support him or not yes yes i'm telling you man that's the best advice we can give you on this podcast do a little bit of research because there's there's, there's, like, there's a lot of stuff that's not being reported like, on if you support trump or not like like because like here is mine and i feel that in the past okay four years almost four years at this point mm-hmm. Time has been wasted that could have been spent actually coming up with an with even an alternative to Trump, yes, which is coherent and which makes sense and yes. which isn't just you know yes all over the place, yeah. But that hasn't been done. That's not and, been done, and people can see that. That's not been done. You know what's being done now? What? We're being given the old the old politicians that have been in power. Mm-hmm. for years and years. Mm-hmm. That's what's being foisted upon us by the Democrats. Mm-hmm. The Democrats missed a huge opportunity, man. No, but like... They missed a huge opportunity. No, here is also the second thing. How, how, how do they come back with Biden? We've, we've seen him no, for the last 50 years. No, here's the second thing. It's even bigger than the Democrats. It's also the Republicans. Because also, many 
Republicans and things like that, mm-hmm. especially like the establishment, the establishment kinds, mm-hmm. are just trying to beat time for Trump to just leave to the leave. stage. So, to like, leave. for example, I believe um in the past two weeks, like five hundred ex um generals and national security people under Bush and um Bush and and people from the Bush White House, yeah, have come out to support Biden. Yeah, and. People should really ask, like, why exactly are they supporting Biden? Makes you wonder. Like, it makes you wonder. A lot of Republicans have been coming out in support like, of Biden. People need to ask, the, like, what are the interests that bind both parties together? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, we're going to let that marinate. Mm-hmm. We're going to let that marinate. Let's, let's move on. So we're done with the whole Trump white supremacy stuff. Mm-hmm. I th- I think it, it was an easy layup. He could have just said, "White supremacy." I, I disavow. I disavow. Even though I understand, I understand. Ooh, do you see that catch? Yep, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep That's yep, my boy yep, right yep, there. Yep, yep. Sorry, guys, we're a little bit distracted. Uh, I have the Eagles game on, um, but he could have easily done that. Mm-hmm. Trump Tep is a stubborn guy. I don't know. I don't. Just say I disavow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's now it's like a whole political thing. It's like, oh, he hates black people. Mm-hmm. And after, at, at some point, you know, when you listen to their reaction to it, it just, you can just tell this is, this is all, you know, yes. politicized. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are not really being fully transparent here. Mm-hmm. And we know why you keep asking him this question is because yep. you want to continue to associate this stuff with him. Yep. But let's move on from that. Um, after the election, Trump gets COVID. What was your first reaction? <laughs> Tell me, when I heard that shit, I think I was in bed with my wife. I was like, yeah, the Trump has COVID. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the president of the United States has, I mean, has COVID. I mean, in a sense, I wasn't that shocked. You weren't? I, I wasn't really that shocked. The president? The president that happens to be the most protected, probably the most protected person in the world, but you, at least public figure that we know. But you also shouldn't forget that, like, different figures in the White House have had COVID. And they the, have. S- since March. They've been, they've been testing everyone every day in that White House. No, but here is the second thing. Where did he catch COVID? It has, has it been confirmed? Because some people claim that um, he caught COVID. With, at the ACB... Um, Announcement. Yeah, announcement. When, when, this, this was when they were announcing ACB's nomination. Yes, but but, even but she AC, has you know had a, a, ACB COVID. had COVID. You know, yeah, you know, had, I thought about that. I was yeah, like, what COVID. if ACB has been going around giving everyone COVID? No, no, but she had COVID during the summer. So, so like, but by, by then she had totally oh, recovered no she from. Could've... Yeah. Okay. So, what, so, so the speculation is that he got it from that White House Garden event. Yes, it, but has it been confirmed? No, I doubt it hasn't been confirmed. confirmed. Yeah, and I doubt it'll ever be confirmed. But there were quite a few people that got it. But some people are also saying that is it possible that he got COVID from Hope Hicks? No, from um, from the debate venue. Here's the thing, Biden. Okay, because they didn't they didn't test them at the debate venue, right? They Mm -hmm. said that they went on an honor system. Mm -hmm. They said the reason why was because. Trump himself showed up late. Yes, that's absolutely true. So the the speculation is that Trump already 
had already tested positive and just maybe wasn't showing symptoms yet. And they purposely and, arrived late. And, and they were waiting for a second uh, confirmation. Confirmation. And that, that was why they arrived late. That's the speculation, mm-hmm. not confirmed. Mm-hmm. A- again, there's all kinds of stuff that gets thrown out at the, mm-hmm. the media that some of them sound reasonable. And then you I mean, hear, and then you hear to like weeks later that oh no, that wasn't true. But then you never really it. The, whenever they come back to, they never come back to like post retractions. Mm-hmm. They don't even bother doing that these days. Doesn't work. So a lot of times the lies usually get amplified. So I want to make it clear. I don't know if this is that, if that was what happened, but that this is all but, speculation. But wait, one reason why, in a sense, I wasn't that shocked that I heard he got COVID was. I said to myself that like, he's a president, so they'll probably give him the best treatments out there. Yeah, they they will. They will. Um, what do you think of his his handling of COVID? And the fact that he isn't putting strict strict rules in the White House, and he's still having people uh, walk around with with or without masks optionally. What do you think about that? What do you think about his messaging so far on COVID? Messaging to the whole country. To the whole country, yes. Um, from what we've seen so far, there's more, definitely more that could be done in terms of messaging. Okay. Um, there, there are guidelines he, he can put out there and suggestions he can put out, he can put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also say that also like with the whole thing about like, like the white house and people walking around the white house without like any masks or yes. anything, I feel they can do better than, than, you know, they can do better than that. Yeah. They can do better than that. Um, that that isn't really controversial, but mm. also I hear again that literally everyone who comes to the White House gets tested. They need to wait for thirty minutes to get tested. So, like one thing I would say in general, and this isn't just only about like the response within within the White House. Yes, but the general response in general is. I didn't exactly know how to grade his response. It's hard because and I'll tell you why the. There are lots of conflicting things out there. Okay. Because on one hand, we're always been told that like, um, you know, things are a national disgrace. Mm-hmm. That 200,000 people have died from COVID. Mm-hmm. Trump um, tried to suppress the COVID news. Yes. And on the other hand, there's a whole thing of um, where it's claimed that um, Dr. Anthony Fauci came out and was actually commending Trump's um, COVID response. Yes. So like, in a sense, I'll confess that I really do not know. We don't know. How the, 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 COVID, the COVID thing is a mystery. Let's, and, let's be honest. Yes, yes. The, which is what the, I was going to come down to. The, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Which, which is actually what I was going to come down to. The truth is somewhere to. in the middle, but we don't know. The COVID thing is being used mm-hmm. to an extent as is being amplified, mm-hmm. right, for election purposes. To a large extent, True. I'm not saying that there aren't truths to, to how dangerous True. this, this disease are. True, but there's a lot of there's a lot of mis misinformation that's been oh, out yeah. there. There's a lot of there's a lot of the way people present these 200k numbers. Mm-hmm. It's being politicized because let's be honest, right? These 200,000 people, the majority of them, 
and I'm not I'm not trying to downplay this thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the majority of them were unhealthy people. True. And I think what this exposed was that America is a very unhealthy country. Absolutely true. It's a it's a lot of fat, you know, there's a lot of Fat, you fat, can't even say around. fat these days. I'm scared to say fat now. Okay. Can you imagine? Ain't this some bullshit? I can't even say F- F-A-T these days. But Go on. But health-challenged people. Mm-hmm. Majority of these people that died from it were old and had comor- comorbidities. That's not to say they, they still didn't get killed by the COVID. Yeah. But the fact remains that they were... They the, were the underlying conditions made, made them more... More, more susceptible vulnerable. to the COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, even someone like Trump would have been kind of vulnerable because it said that he's. Well, they've been he's in the media. They they keep saying you know because he's clinically obese. He's, now, I don't think he's clinically obese. Let me quickly drop something. <laughs> let me let me quickly drop something. You know um this guy, mm-hmm. Chris Christie also got um he did. And you know how obese Chris Christie is. Yes. Let me just say this and please, I'm not denying that COVID is serious or yes. anything like that. If Chris Christie beats this thing. The whole thing about COVID collapses in front of the public side because people will say that if a guy like who is as unhealthy as Chris Christie could mm-hmm. be this, then mm-hmm. why are we being locked up? Let me just chop that one out there. Yo, if Chris Christie beats this thing, this is gonna be that like people are gonna start taking another look at this stuff. Yeah, and and but the reason why this is important, this is this is not for not. This is it's a matter of yes. It's a national emergency. We understand it's it's a lot of people. Too many people died, right? But then you also have to look at the other hand. And people think this is very inhumane when you bring this up. And but you have to look at the... One econ- thing. Let me finish that. Let okay. me finish. You have to look at the economy. Mm-hmm. We have to. We can't act like it doesn't matter. Because if we slow things down... Because those are the consequences, right? If we make all these federal mandates, if we hamper businesses from flourishing mm-hmm. we slow things down People in, a, have jobs, in, an, in an effort to try to tackle this disease mm-hmm. that could have long-term consequences true, true. long-term economic consequences that I could agree. see far more deaths true. that could see far more dysfunction what's that my phone oh okay i thought, I thought, I thought it was like an alarm of this far more dysfunction so I think it's very, very important that, yes, we need to treat this thing seriously. We understand 200,000 deaths, but we also have to understand that America is also a very, very unhealthy country. And Absolutely I think, true. And I, and I think we need to do more as a country to get out the message why health is important. We need to start placing more F- emphasis on diet, the things that we exercise. eat. Exercise. These are things that the media needs to focus on. And I'll also add, during this whole COVID then, Someone posted something on um on Twitter like maybe the last week or the week before, and and person was like um during COVID he like he said to the effect of that um during COVID you'll think that governments should be posting things like you know guidelines for diets guidelines yeah. for exercise but none of that is is being done. I see, and see, this is for me. This is part of where I feel like Trump is failing. Because he should be doing this. I agree with that. Instead, he's trying to do this PR thing. So now Trump has been coming out. And trying to do this PR thing and trying to make it seem like, well, you know, I beat it very easily, you know. And and I understand what he's doing. He's trying to alleviate people's fears, mm-hmm. which which could have some benefits. But, but, but you have to be able to give people, people the truth about how best to beat 
this thing. And you can't tell people, no, you just, you can catch it and you recover from it. No. You have to tell people that you need to be healthy in order to, like, in beat order this, to be able to beat this thing. thing. True. And you need to promote that. And Trump is failing at that. Absolutely He's true. He's failing. Absolutely true. And that's a problem. Absolutely true. And you have Biden, on the other hand, talking about he's trying to make all these federal mandates for this and that. And I'm just like, ah, one thing, they, they've done this country so so much of a disservice. One thing I always said from, from the very beginning of COVID, and this is especially for, for Biden, what Biden could have been doing when COVID began was while Trump was having his daily press briefings, mm-hmm. Biden should also have like his own daily press press briefings and who knows maybe in those daily press briefings mm-hmm. you can talk about things like exercise you can talk about things like diets yes. and healthy living and let me just quickly um 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 pull back one step really quickly about this thing about obesity yeah you know that, like we always hear about how um during this whole covid crisis yeah covid has especially affected the black and african-american communities hardest yes a key underlining factor and I don't know how people will react to me saying this is to be very truthful. The level of obesity in the black community is kind of high. Is it higher than the national average? That I don't know, but 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 still, it's because there, there are a lot of obese white white, white people too. Absolutely, absolutely. I I I think no, that's a function. No. Now I I will I'll push back against that, no. and here's why. I think that's a function of their. No. Of the ec- of the fact economic that economic two things I'll um, say. realities two things two things I'll say I've always said that it's very simplistic to look at COVID just from one dimension so yes for example the whole thing of obesity is there you need to look at the, um, the yeah. um, economic variable mm-hmm. you need to look at the variables of like the healthcare systems yeah you know to, Look at the you look at cultures, the, attitudes. Yeah, so, so so there are many things at play. And I'll also add one other thing about COVID. Almost everyone, in a sense, has had a very simplistic narrative about COVID. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some people say things like, um, you know, COVID will finally show, you know, why, you know, healthcare must be, you know, deregulated and things like that, which I'll confess and more on that side really but but but, but regulating healthcare no in in the sense that um um making it easier to develop drugs making it easier to bring yes things like that yes and then but then but then also but then it but that doesn't help with access though because the, the have you noticed that the more we deregulate healthcare, healthcare the harder the health, access healthcare, becomes healthcare isn't deregulated that's another topic on its own Okay. All right. All right. Healthcare, Another topic on its own, but, but, but go on, go on. And then um, you also have people on the other side saying things like, you know, COVID will finally show why the United the United States needs um universal healthcare. Yeah. The truth about the matter, and and I'll be quite honest, and it goes back to what you were saying about the things about COVID, which we do not know. Yeah. How There's a lot of how COVID how COVID has unfolded doesn't exactly fit both narratives. So hmm. like, for example, if you look at countries like France and the UK, they have um, universal healthcare systems. Yeah. COVID has killed a ton of people and it's decimating them. Italy it has the same. So and, that's true. That is true. And basically, if anything, that is true. The, 
like if anything, the people who actually have been able to actually deal with COVID well to some degree are the East Asian countries, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan. But do you know what else they also have in common? Yes, they, yeah, they're healthy. They yes. have they have they have crazy healthy healthier diets. Yes, way healthier. Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. What do you think about the idea of herd, as well as Trump put it, herd mentality? <laughs> Trump had said herd mentality, but you know what I mean, herd yeah. immunity, the Sweden approach. Because I've always I've always kind of been of that camp that because when I looked at this whole COVID thing and I saw how messy it was. And I and I realized that wait, if we if we really have to wait before things get back to normal to It'll get a vaccine, It'll be uh, time. It, um, it's not sustainable, man. It's not. It's I, not. So my my feeling has always been that I've I've liked the Sweden approach. Now I don't think America is necessarily there yet in terms of being able to adopt that same exact approach okay because Amer like i said america is very very unhealthy mm -hmm. uh we we don't quite have the 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 discipline mm -hmm. to be able to do that you know in Absolutely sweden they're, they're still doing social distances in america you still have people fighting yeah to wear the mask when they're in close corners like mm -hmm. Americans, well, they well, they look kind of crazy. True, <laughs> Let's be true. Honest. We, we the way we look, we, the way we embrace this, our freedom, man. It's sometimes it, it's to our detriment sometimes. But I, mm -hmm. I get it. I get mm -hmm. it. There are, there are certain things that are unique to America that may not be able, may not make us be able to adopt that Sweden approach. But I think we we should definitely be going towards, towards that, mm -hmm. that solution, mm -hmm. towards some level of okay, we. We, we kind of need to let this thing kind of burn through our population to an extent. Here is, I, I think we do. Here, here is the main thing about students hurt immunity. To be very truthful, I do not, at this point, even know what to say. And the fact that I do not know what to say, in a sense, kind of shows how politicized um, COVID has become. Yeah, because we don't, we because, don't really have the information. Because there are... Because I've seen articles of people who fanatically say that, you know, herd immunity has been a disaster in Sweden. Sweden unleashed a disaster. And I've also seen articles saying that herd immunity has been a success. Yeah. You heard different things. So, I mean, I don't know. But what I would also say is, in this country, maybe you can look at South Dakota, for example. Yeah. I know that, like, they are more of, like, a sparsely populated state. Yeah, they're more sparsely populated than everyone else, but basically they didn't do any lockdowns or any of the other things the other states did. Yeah, and they seem to be doing relatively well up to an extent. <sighs> well, we we'll never know. But let's well, let's let's get back to because we kind of okay. veered over there for yeah. a second. Let's get back to the election. So we was talking about Trump got COVID. We discussed that. Mm -hmm. Then what happened after that? The VP. Yes, the VP debate. debate between um, um, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Let's talk about it. What was your first impression? Um, the VP debate, without a doubt, was more professional. Yes. Um, Do you think anyone won? Do you think there was a clear win winner? If anyone won... I watched the whole thing and... I came out not necessarily thinking anyone won per se, but if I'm forced to say, did anyone win? Maybe Mike Pence. And why would you say that? 
I feel Pence was more clear. He had more of his facts. He knew what he was saying. Oh, man, that 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 guy is smooth. That yes. guy was smooth. Yes. yes that guy was smooth with yeah. it. That one I'll give him. And, and I think people were weren't expecting much because Pence gets lost in the Trump hysteria that no one even pays attention to him. But then I don't think people Pence, forget just how smooth because I've I always known about I don't, I don't think Pence gets lost. Pence is a dent okay. I use the word dangerous no, but, in but, a positive way. Yeah, but 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 I'm talking about in terms of the media coverage. Mm-hmm. He gets lost in the media, like because Trump, Trump, Trump is sucking so much attention that we yeah. almost forget that he's there. He's just that's true. Yeah. So and I so I think that's why people weren't really expecting that from him. I mean, the way he was coming at her at one point, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, this guy is this guy came. He he. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't like, and the fact that you, you you were you were expecting that Pence would be the one to like just you know the minute the moderator butts in he will keep quiet. Pence, Pence kept that. going. Yeah, Pence kept going. He was like laser focused. He kept hitting at certain things, mm-hmm. and I think what what gave him the win for me is the fact that he he forced out some things out of her, like the fracking thing, for instance. Mm-hmm. That's the he he forced. Uh, Kamala Harris to come out and defend fr- and pretty much embrace fracking. Mm-hmm. That's not going to play out with the progressive left. Yes, that's it's true. Not. I like I I began seeing articles the next day from people from the progressive left saying that you know bad it's idea. not she it's not embrace fracking. But but here is also like like the second thing like in order for um Biden to win, Biden must win a state like Pennsylvania. Yes. and fracking is a thing in Pennsylvania. It is. It is, and that's why they kept hammering at it. He, like he kept, ha- he kept bringing it back up. Mm-hmm. They would ask him a question, and he would just pivot right back, right back to, to, the, to the previous question. To the previous question, um, I think he also got her on the part of the Skodas packing of the courts. Yes, that's 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 kind of true. Yeah, he he. he isn't it weird that they cannot answer that answer that question? How can they answer the question whether they're going to pack no, the no, court or like, not? Like that's Are they, a, is this really something that's on the table? Like that's something very serious. Because okay, are you look, kidding no, no, me? Like, like, let me actually like tell you why they can't easily answer answer that question. Why? Sorry to use the terminology. Court packing is a banana republic tactic. It is. Let's be very blunt. You, it's a banana republic. You're tactic. changing the rules. Yeah. You're switching up the rules. That's and, crazy to and me. Also, like if 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 um the Democrats should decide to pack the courts, mm-hmm. whenever the Republicans get there, they'll also pa- um pack it. So people will just keep expanding uh, it, and basically, it'll be a mess. Basically, they will destroy it. And Biden understands very well. He knows that if he, he should knows. commit to courts packing, that he probably won't survive it. Because like there is a video clip from I believe yesterday. Where um, Biden was somewhere, a journalist asked him about like, "Are you going to do court packing?" Mm-hmm. And Biden basically said, "The public doesn't deserve to know um my my answer." Mm. So, mm. so so like like basically, I guess like in this next is it two weeks or three weeks? How many weeks do we have? Yeah. About two weeks or so. Weeks like the main tactic of of the whole um, Pence. Pence um Trump team yeah. is going to be this whole court packing thing to try and extract an, an answer. Yeah. Because 
whichever answer they give, mm-hmm. it's going to alienate someone. It will. If they should say yes, we're going to to cut park, it will alienate the conservatives, yep. independents, moderates. Mm-hmm. If they say we're not going to cut pack, it alienates the progressive. The progressive the left, they're going to look like oh well. So I guess you guys are just going to let this nomination go through and and give the conservatives a six three yeah. majority. Yeah. And at that point, the left is going to look like what's the point of you guys? Exactly. <laughs> they're going to look like, you know what I'm saying? And people know, like you like you mentioned last episode, the courts, that's where a lot of change is taking place. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's where a lot of change is affecting people. Yeah. People know. I mean, I know, and here, here has always been my own, okay, not always, but it's all of a sudden developed. My own, um, what they call it, position on cut packing. Yeah. They actually should go ahead and do it. Yeah, you said so. You said you want them to go ahead and do it so that like, it'll expose like exactly what the cover of the whole about. system will be blown open to everyone. So so let's go back to the debate. Um I do want to highlight some things that Harris did very well. Mm-hmm. She's a prosecutor, obviously. She was mm-hmm. a former prosecutor. So she put him on his heels a few yep. times too. Absolutely. She put him on his heels with um uh, do you remember what it was that it was there was something that she had Put him on his heels on. I can't remember now, but she was very, very forceful mm-hmm. in in her approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the whole thing about female candidates and how people tend to pick on their, I guess, their gestures, mm-hmm. and that came up obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because <laughs> the Biden Harris campaign. Right after the debate, they're already putting out, you know, floaters out there yeah. about how, well, you know, she's a black woman and she's mm-hmm. also very cautious of how she wants to come across. Mm-hmm. And, of, you know, as a black woman, she has to hold back a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it. I, I hate it so much whenever we we inject this, this racial things into things. But, I, you know, it is politics, so we can't do without it at this mm-hmm. point. Um, some people pointed out the fact that she was a little snarky at times. True. And that she was a little sarcastic and she was always giving faces. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have any trouble with it. I felt like she, she got flustered, but it had nothing to do with her expressions. Mm-hmm. I, I see her as, a, you know, she, she's a black woman. I, I I'm, I'm used to, I have a wife. You know what I'm saying? I know how my wife looks at me when she's getting snarky. So for me, stuff like that, I, I'm not, doesn't you, bother you, me. You, you are most of what you understand the cues. I understand the cues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me. That's just, that's just how, you know, black women tend to be very expressive, expressive sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I understand why some people might've had a problem with those things being picked on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to belabor that. I think she did it. She held her own. Yeah. I think she held her own. Also. I agree with that. Absolutely. I think she held on. I, I, I just think the part was towards the end when Penn started to land some blows. I started to kind of push her on some things where it was like, you could tell she, she didn't really have the answers for And it was like that fracking stuff. Yeah. It was like the other stuff that had to do with the packing of the courts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was just going at it, man. And then the final thing about the debate was the fly, of course. We got to talk about the fly. <laughs> oh, that fly was not budget, man. Three I'll, minutes. I would confess I haven't even paid attention to the whole 
whole fly thing. To because, have you have it because yeah. that's that's just how inconsequential I think the whole. It's fly ridiculous. Thing is. It's ridiculous. But you know, you know, you know, in this in this day and age of politics, right? There's there's a there's a meme factor that comes with politics True. too. Absolutely. If you really want to get attention, there has to be something memeable about the moment. Absolutely. The fly was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> the fly was, and and I think that's just the the stage we're in with social media. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there there has to be that element that people can laugh at. Yep. Um. So I thought it was interesting. That fly wasn't budging, Sha. Yep. That fly was like three minutes straight. I, I'm like, what the heck? So yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um. Yeah, but outside of that, man, uh, I think we touched on the main things. Um, the other stuff that I wanted to bring up was, oh, did you have any other comments on the on the VP debates? Um, no, none per se. As I said, like the the VP debates were very professional, and if and and if anything, I feel that the that the VP debates pretty much, in many ways, might even have counted as the might end up counting as the most de- decisive presidential debate yeah because normally the vp debates no one really pays that much attention yes or, but but it mattered this time because yes. of the two candidates we had at the top exactly and we had just seen these two ca- candidates the first pretty one. much get in a bloodbath with each other exactly so and then you also have the factor of biden the fact that you know people feel like he's ailing mm-hmm. and he might not be up to fulfilling his full term mm-hmm. then that's a real concern among people absolutely true you have trump who just got COVID, mm-hmm. so all of a sudden everyone's paying attention to these vps because these yep. might actually be the our next presidents. presidents yeah because um the person who moderated the debates yeah asked a question and said and said something like um um if like if biden wins when biden is sworn in this mm-hmm. coming january yeah He'll be seventy-eight. Yep. Um, the oldest president ever, and yep. also, if um Trump should um also win this November, he'll be seventy-four. He'll be seventy-four. Like either way, yeah. Both are going to be the oldest ever ever that have been sworn in, and basically, like like um like the the majority was asking that like if, if anything happens whereby you people have to take take over, yep. How are things going to be? They both ducked that question. They did. They, they they ducked almost every question. Yeah, they were just clawing and scratching at each other. And Trump was was being a tout because Trump was just kept butting in. Did you did you? See no, that? but like here's also the thing about Trump butting in, and people have said this then that probably what Trump was trying to do with Trump butting in in his first debates is he was trying to rile Biden. No, you think so? Into 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 um into probably doing something irrational. Or doing something he couldn't do, but that tactic backfired. It didn't work. Biden Biden actually appeared pretty competent. Yeah. However, he he threw uh he had like a town hall debate a few days after, mm-hmm. and then he went back to being the Biden that I've no. been seeing on the campaign trail. Like he was saying some no. wacky stuff. No, but like here's here's the thing, and we need to go back to that first debate is. People are saying that maybe the reason why Biden wasn't saying any wacky stuff is Trump so prevented him from talking. He was. That Biden's effective talking time wasn't that big. And yeah. and what people are actually saying is that whenever Trump debates him next, he lets should, him just talk. He should just give him all the talking time mm-hmm. so he can begin talking. Uh, I, I, I agree. 
Um, so that's that's all that we had with the debates. Uh, I think we, we, we covered quite a bit. Um, before we get into other topics, right, I do want to bring up this NSARS thing that's going on. In Nigeria. Yes. it's a, It was, NSARS was the number one trending topic in the world at one point. Yeah. A few days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been getting a lot of attention. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, I, I know what it is. It's mm-hmm. SARS is the... Special Anti-Robbery Squad. Yes. In Nigeria. Mm-hmm. They're the... They're the guys that go after uh, Yahoo guys. Mm-hmm. And they're the guys that go after scammers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it, I don't know what I don't know what the heck is going on, but apparently they've been assaulting people. Mm-hmm. There's been evidence that they shot some guy recently. Yeah, there was, there was like a video. Yes, there was a video. Did you see the video? I, I didn't see the video, but I heard about it. Like, that's what actually... Trigger sparked this everything thing. and also from what i understand like nsars isn't like something new it began yeah like, no i've been seeing that that trend for a while three or four years ago but this one is especially new and i mean like my own two cents about like the whole um nsars phenomenon is i feel also nsars is also another way of like young people and youths in nigeria like expressing their frustration with the system yeah. Because with the level of, of unemployment in Nigeria today, mm-hmm. only like four or five African countries actually have more people than unemployed people in Nigeria today. Sorry, break that down for us. Can you, can you repeat that? You're saying? With the level of unemployment today in Nigeria, which is somewhere between, I believe, 45 and 50 million. Yes. Only four, somewhere between four to five African countries yes. have people more than that figure. More than that figure. Yes. Okay, I'm I'm a little confused. You're saying that there's about 50 million unemployed Nigerians. Yes. And you're saying that there's only four, four other countries. Yeah, four to five African countries. Who have- that doesn't that doesn't sound right, because Nigeria is one of the most populous countries. So if there's another country that has more unemployed people, oh, wait, wait, oh, you're talking about the rate. No, no, no. L- let me. Because if you say more unemployed people, then that means no, no, no. Then that no, means there are no, other countries no, no. that have more than no, no. fifty million people no, no, no. unemployed. No, no, more total, like the total population. But is it, so you're saying percentage? No, no. Here, currently, Nigeria has out of its whole population of like two hundred million people. Yes. About between forty, um, um, forty-five million and fifty million unemployed people. Yes. Only four to five African countries have a country population more than Nigeria's unemployed population. Oh, so oh, another way sorry, to, sorry, another sorry. way to put it is Nigeria has more unemployed people than, than some countries than the population of the overwhelming majority of African countries. Wow. So basically that's, that's a time bomb. I see what I see. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So, okay. I get, I get what you mean now. Yeah. That is startling. Yeah. That is startling. Yeah. So you're saying this is a time bomb. You, you, your, your, your feeling is that it's not. It's not really just about the brutality. It's really more so the economic, yes. underlying economic yes. issues that have been brewing for a while. Yes. Yes. It's probably brutality. But by the time people begin protesting, people will then begin saying that. But will then begin like you know putting out their grievances of yes. how 
there are no jobs, no social services. And it seems like that's playing out right now because yeah. in, initially there, there were celebrities that were coming out mm-hmm. uh, in support of the NSARS. I mean, it was it was growing a lot of wings online, especially. Mm-hmm. They actually went out there. They protested the other day. Mm-hmm. There were huge protests all over the country. The government was it today or was it yesterday? It must have been either late late yesterday yeah. or early today. Yeah, something. I think it was late yesterday. But the government came out and announced that they're going to end SARS. But people who are protesting are saying that they're going nowhere until SARS is struck off Nigeria's executive list. So basically, what they're saying is, okay, we do not want a commitment. We want to see action being taken, and we're going nowhere until we see action being taken. Because uh, because this isn't this isn't the first time that the Nigerian government has ended SARS. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. So that's what's going on. So it's. So they may just be talking about exactly. They, they, they may not actually go through exactly. It. So people are saying that we're going nowhere until this thing is done. Toby, I think I've seen protests. I've seen you know movements. Mm-hmm. This one seems a little bit. There's something going on here. I'll, like I'll there's talk- something going on here, and and I and I'm 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 I don't know if it's one of these things that are just gonna come and fizzle out. But there's just something about this about the. I'll tell you why there's something different. Okay. I will tell you why, and we've said this thing for years. You know, like in Nigeria, we have the whole culture and the whole ethic of like you know respect your elders, yes. respect people in authority, and in many ways, one of the key reasons why. The people who mismanage in Nigeria have been able to get away easily is respect your elder people culture. Give them the same disrespect, oh, same respect to elders. But now younger people are not. They don't give a shit. Ex- and it's it. funny you brought that up because one of the things that came up during the week during this whole NSARS movement online was mm-hmm. Wizkid, mm-hmm. the the Afrobeat superstar. Mm-hmm. I think Buhari had put out a tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, sending his condolences to President Trump about getting COVID, mm-hmm. hope you get better. Wizkid came out and he was like, Ogasa, uh, like just, he was mm-hmm. very, 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 ah, man, I wish I could find the tweet. But he was very reckless with the way he talked mm-hmm. and the way he addressed President Buhari. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think he said something about old man, you know, the the youth are, are complaining, come on, you know, pretty much complaining yeah. online, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And there was this that in itself was its was its own like controversy mm-hmm. because you have this wing of people, some of them in support of NSARS, saying no, do not do not address our president like that. And then you had this other wing of people, people saying, saying no, oh, forget that time is over. And it's funny that you brought that up because I think that you know it's almost like that highlighted this exact thing you brought up of this idea of our culture and our cultural norms kind of holding us back to an extent from really being able to wage a significant movement or movement uh-huh. because you have people that will say eh, respect your elder exactly that's how and it's you're right that's that's how people sleep and and yeah it's that's crazy that's exactly. crazy. So this NSARS movement, I guess we're going to keep an eye on it. Um, I'm going to do a little bit more research. Mm-hmm. No, I think we're probably going to talk about it because I know this is something. That... I mean, like, it's like it's, it's being carried seriously it worldwide. Is. And it then, I, I mean, and here is just like the main thing. And in a way, it's not surprising to me that NSARS is going to happen 
Because one thing I've, I predicted last year is that in this decade, what otherwise would have taken decades to happen in Nigeria is going to happen in a matter of months. Mm. Because if you should look at the state of where Nigeria is, I'm not going to be rosy in assessing Nigeria states. Nigeria is falling apart. And when I say falling apart, like literally falling apart at the same in slow motion. And, and, Very and, slow motion. And what, and what indicators have you seen? I mean, number one, look at like all the Boko Haram crisis in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Boko Haram crisis is like the size of Belgium on its own, another land on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, look in the middle belt and the center of Nigeria, how, um, you know, um, Christians are being killed and things like that. Mm-hmm. Look in the southeast, how there's a new agitation going from Biafra again. Look at how the Nigerian government basically is borrowing money because there simply isn't all oil money. Hmm. And no one can really understand Nigeria unless you understand that oil is what glues Nigeria together. Yeah, that's true. That's that, that is true. The oil is not is not booming like it used to. Exactly. Because, I mean, at the, at, at the end of the day, I mean, the amount of borrowing that they've had to do under the Buhari government, mm-hmm. um, the, the amount of um, talking about actually taking taxation seriously and things like that, things do not look rosy. And then on top of that, Buhari hasn't helped things. It hasn't. Man. With his... With his old attitude, his economic policies, just many things which, in my own opinion, are very preventable. Hmm. Maybe, okay, maybe not the oil parts, but there are other areas which are very preventable. You know who we need to get to, to, to you know, I've been trying to get him on. Oh. Your brother. Tell me. Tell him to come on. And I've been trying to get him on, man. It's hard to, to pin that guy down. But oh, well, Tommy, Tommy is someone that has been paying attention to this stuff, and he's been warning about it for a while. Well, He's been against Buhari for a while, and I, I think we need to get him on. I think, I, think, I think we need... I would like to get his unique perspective yeah, because, on this, I mean, on this he's like, issue. He's on ground. And he, he's on ground, too. Actually, he's everything. Yeah. Um... Yeah. I was going to bring, we're talking about. And SARS and. Well, we were talking about. Um, sorry, my boy just scored a touchdown. That's why I got a little distracted. Oh. <laughs> but we were talking about uh, COVID earlier. And there was something that I forgot to bring up. Mm-hmm. WHO recently warned against COVID lockdowns in For poor countries. And- poor countries. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, what do you think is, what do you think, why do you think that they're saying this? I mean, like personally, why people all of a sudden are talking about this, why people right now have just figured this out. I know this from day one that you can look down poor countries because, okay, look at us here in the United States, for example, right? Mm-hmm. With all the lockdowns that that's happening. Checks are being sent out. Mm-hmm. Doors are still being opened. Mm-hmm. Like basically, we have some privileges. That... Basically, a rich country has resources to say that we, that you know stop working for the next six months. But basically, in many poor countries, many people do not have any um, you know savings to fall back on, anything to fall back on, and it's pretty much paycheck to paycheck. And also, 
the UN released a report, like I believe in the past one month, saying that um, about 120 million people might fall into extreme poverty oh, shit. due to the COVID lockdown. So that report actually might have been a factor. Why? So uh, let, let me read out the exact words that they have here. They say, um, this was the WHO envoy, Dr. David Nabarro, said that such restrictive measures should only be treated as a last resort. Mm -hmm. The British magazine, The Spectator, reported in a video interview, we in the, and this is his quote, we in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of control of this virus, Nabarro said. Mm -hmm. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance your resources, protect your health workers who are exhausted, but by and large, we'd rather not do it. Uh -huh. Navarro said that there's a significant harm caused by tight restrictions, particularly on the global economy. Uh -huh. Lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never ever belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. Isn't that the truth? I mean, it's, it's, it's a truth, and um, it's something I've always said since day number one mm. um if you see like all the people like protesting the lockdowns and things like that like all those people in michigan and places like that who you know were carrying guns and things like that to the um state house mm -hmm. what i actually feel is if they, if they never were carrying guns or carrying trump flags or any of those political optics yeah i feel that people might have been more receptive to, to their message because at the end of the day, many of those people are probably people who live more or less paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, and then on top of that, like, let's even assume that, that, like, you know, all these rich governments can actually afford to um, send out checks. But still, to even use those checks, you still need those checks going to buy food at the grocery store. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, there has to be someone who brings the food to the grocery store, stocks the store. You don't know the route. Yeah. And things like that. So, so like, at, at the end of the day, re really speaking, as we're just saying, saying about this whole COVID thing, it's more complex than... It's very, very complex. It's, 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 it's more complex and... Um, yeah, man. Um, man, may God save us, because I don't know what... I mean... I don't know what, what we're going to look like come 2021. I mean, with this whole um, report by W... WHO is saying that, like, you know, WHO is advising against lockdowns. I kind of wonder, what will the reaction be? I don't think it's really been reported that widely in the media. I mean, it just came out today or yesterday. It did. So, I mean, hmm. so it's, 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 it's like, obviously, it's, it's to take time to spread. Yeah. So, I mean. But then again, WHO has kind of gotten some things wrong in the past, too. Yeah. So, it's like. Uh, yeah, and and that kind of goes back to to what I was saying about COVID. Like this whole COVID, then there are just so many things which many people have have gotten wrong. Had to you know um, backpedal on. Like for yeah. example, look at the whole thing about masks. For example, I can remember that back in March, I always believed that like you know we should wear masks from the very beginning. And I can remember being told back in March that you know there's no point of um, wearing masks. Research has shown, and then all of a sudden, was it, was it it like in May. Up. It became everyone should should they just wear masks. So, up on us. So, so like there are just many things in this whole COVID thing that have that have changed. 
either about lockdowns, either about masks. Mm-hmm. Many things have, have changed and um, okay. you really have to wonder. You do. So um, our last topic here is a fall. It's a continuation of a conversation we're having from last episode. And this was uh, with this brilliant guy called Arian Foster, former, former Houston, Texas football player, running back. Um, he has a podcast now and he talks politics. And he had brought on this liberal atheist guy on his podcast last week talking about black issues. And talking about the whole systemic racism debate. Does it exist? How do you solve it? Um, so I figured, again, I, I, I find this guy to be brilliant because he's one of the only few people on the left that I see actually engaging in good faith arguments with people that disagree with him. Uh-huh. And actually tr- like trying to get to comp- some kind of compromise. So that's why I've been listening to him. And I, 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 I've liked listening to the debates because you hear both sides of the argument. Um, like I said, he brought up this guy, I think something Silverman, Adam Silverman, something like that. Huh. Alex Silverman, something Silverman on his podcast. He was a white guy. So there were some of the things that he was saying that Arian Foster would kind of respond to like, mm, well, but you're a white guy. You can't really relate, right? Huh. So what he did was he brought a black conservative guy on his show this time around and they they had a similar debate on systemic racism and i just thought there were some very interesting points that were brought up um i'm going to take it from this part where they're talking about systemic racism and the the black conservative guy i think his name is javier javier or something like that he brings up a point um Sorry, one second. I had it. I had it up just now. I don't know where it, went, where it disappeared to. Sorry, one second. I hate this thing. I had it up just now and it's gone. Um, one second here. All right, there you go. So this is him having this debate. All right, check this out. A product of the institution has proportionate levels of... Sorry, let me take it back. The police job is to respond and to prevent crime, to respond to crime and prevent crime. You don't kill somebody because... Okay, so let me just preface this. This is on the topic of police brutality, right? Uh-huh. And the fact that black men are disproportionately killed uh-huh. by the police. This is a point of argument that comes up all the time. Uh-huh. And it's he brings up he brings up um some good points here, but listen. I don't care if they you could think of some horrible things people can do, right? But your job is to apprehend them and let the legal system deal with them, mm-hmm. right? And I don't see why this situation has become a conservative versus liberal or a left versus right issue. I think most people on the right agree that what happened to George Floyd was horrific and that there needs to be consequences to that officer who did that. Um, I don't know how it became politicized in a way. Um, I think 
and I'm speaking from my personal observation, so I may be wrong. Mm-hmm. I think where conservatives started to jump off the train was when people started going to defund the police to, you know, rhetoric of that sort that, you know, the whole the whole pol- system is racist or whatever that case. Mm-hmm. I think that's when conservatives jumped off of the ship. Yeah, you know, no, no racist likes to be told they're racist. <laughs> now, yeah, that, that's that's what we should get into because um, All right, now, yeah, I'm a conservative stuff. and there are things that I see that are racist and there are things that I don't think is racist. Mm-hmm. So define systematic racism for me. That way I know what your definition of systematic racism is. Uh, any system or institution set in place that disproportionately... Um... Uh, has negative effects on a certain community. Okay. And your goal is to try to fix that system to make sure that it's not systematically racist, correct? Uh, to make sure that um, the the byproduct of the institution has proportionate levels of like output. So you like if the population of black people is 12 or 13%, then it should be equally represented in any statistic that deals with the system and for example so like if you say that black people are disproportionately killed by um police officers but those numbers don't match the population of black people so therefore there must be something wrong with it right yeah there's a there's a discrepancy yeah Okay, I agree with you. There is a discrepancy. Based on the population of black people in America, they're disproportionately killed by police officers. We- all right, so stop there. Would you agree too, right? So that's something that we can all agree on. Because, yes. see, this is where everyone agrees up until this point. And after this point, the reason for that discrepancy is what tends to get. But let me continue yep. playing. But as you guys can see, they both agree on this. Up to this point. Yes. Agree on that. Yeah. Now let's branch off to a few factors that may contribute to that. We could agree that there are police officers who are racist. Yep. Can we also agree that black young men between the ages of, uh, I believe, fifteen to thirty-five commit majority of the violent crimes in America? See, this is where it gets a little tense. We also turn in. <laughs> I will lend that to your argument. Argument, yeah. Okay. All right. So, you see, let me stop there. Once you concede to that, it's. I mean, how do you then make that? Because if we agree, right, that policing and law enforcement interactions are are a factor of, are, uh, I guess, I guess that and crime are correlated, right? Uh-huh. The more crime occurs, the more, more police, police get, comes get, into. gets called. So once, if we agree to that, right, I think we can all agree that there is that factor uh-huh. of crimes being committed by certain communities more than other communities. Okay. Now, other people might say that's racist because I've heard that before. That True. oh, to point that out is racist. Yeah. I don't. I don't see how that can be considered racist to just point True. out a True. very simple fact. But but let but but let's finish this. Let, let me let me not. We got two issues. We could branch off into a few other ones, but let's focus on these two issues. 
the racist cop, there's a way to deal with that. For one, we do extensive psychological tests on police officers to make sure that they don't hold any biases that may actually hinder them from doing their job properly, that may result into them killing a black man unjustly. Sometimes you don't know until after the fact. Some people, we don't know they're racist. They do a well, well enough job to hide it. How do you deal with somebody who can hide their racism? I don't know how. At least we haven't figured out a way to truly know if somebody's racist, even if they don't know they're racist. Well, yeah, I mean, your, your, your president just uh, tried to, or did, veto one of the ways that you can help with it, right? By mm -hmm. uh, racial sensitivity training in government institutions. He just no, I think it was uh, critical board. race theory. No, I think it, there was racial sensitivity. That, that's, that's part of it. But part of, part of critical race theory is racial sensitivity and teaching people. And see, this is, this is the fundamental difference a lot of people have, or I have with a lot of people, is they think racism is just, oh, I think he's a nigger. Like, that's not what racism no. is, right? That's covert racism. There you go. And so, and, and so that's why you need racial sensitivity training. A lot of people don't even know that they're carrying out racial stereotypes or they, they hold racial stereotypes in their head that, that, are, that are damaging to, to, to folk. And so... And I've done, I've done some research into that, and I'm having a hard time finding the studies that justify that it works. That, that, it, that it, racial it sensitivity actually, works? That it actually makes a big impact on whether or not people... On, it makes an impact on the outcomes. Um, teaching, bringing, bringing, bringing awareness to uh, uh, harmful tropes and ideologies uh, towards Black folk and people of color in general. Um, you're saying it, is not a net positive. No, I'm saying that that would be a positivity. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I don't, I can't find the data to back up that it's having the effect that it's supposed to have. That they say if we teach racial um, sensitivity training, that it somehow actually shows that it works, that it actually helps people from not being biased. I, I mean, you might have data that I don't have, and I'm willing, I'm <clears throat> open to to hearing it, but I haven't seen the studies that show that the the training actually changes the outcomes that we've been seeing in a long term trend. I mean, I mean, I think all you have to look at is like racial crimes in America, right? Mm -hmm. You could look at that uh, data point and the implementation of 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 these. Uh, you know, I'll link you to studies at any point. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, I'll, that, that'd I'll, link, be I'll link you to studies. But if you look at at our our history, right, our racist history, and and how it's slowly declining, right? I would never say that it's it's we're not making progress as a country uh, with race issues, right? We are, but uh, we have a lot to we have a long way to go, right? We have a lot of unraveling to do, and of and these these kind of things uh, are just going to continue to help. I think the blowback is it's it's white folks saying I'm tired of people telling me I'm racist. I think that's what the blowback is. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but you you could understand for somebody who doesn't doesn't have in their own minds they don't have any animosity towards people <clears> of color, <throat> and then people turn around and say you're racist. You you could understand how that could become frustrating. I mean, if if only only way I can understand is if they're an unempathetic. That's the only way I can understand because I and I don't like to liken these things together because they're very separate issues. LGBT 
rights and and black yeah. folk rights are very separate issues and I don't like right. to mince the two. So let me let me let me cut it off there. So <clears throat> there's one thing that first happened in this conversation. Uh-huh. When he brought up the whole uh black men commit certain more crimes at a huh. higher rate and Bob and Arian copped to that. Uh-huh. I felt like that was I felt like in a way that kind of that kind of hurt Arian's argument. But I'm gonna help Arian out here because they eventually get back to it. Uh-huh. And Arian's reason for why that is, and this is the argument you always hear, you know, on both sides of the argument, right? The reason why blacks are commit, committing more crimes is because there's already there was already racism that's made them predisposed to being poor and being poor. You, 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 you get where I'm going here. It, it starts to become this this game of what came first, the chicken or the egg. Okay. Did the, was it the racism that led to black communities being crime or the crime being crime ridden, or is it the is it the crime that's causing these police interactions mm-hmm. and we need to deal with it. So, and I guess th- that's my first question to you. Well, how do you see this, this dichotomy? Um, the, the very first question people should ask is, has the crime always been this high? Good question. Well, it, it used to be higher. Within what? what At some point wait, wait, within, in the eighties. Okay. So like, let's use a bigger time frame. Okay. Let's say in the past 100 years, have, mm-hmm. has crime always been this high? So, so like, f- like for example, let's say, I don't know, in 1930 or 1920, mm-hmm. was crime back then as high as it, it is right now? Because let's assume that like crime wasn't... No, it wasn't. I can tell you it wasn't. The crimes didn't start going up really high until after the 60s. Is racism more, more at least, at, at least more blatant overt today than it was back then no okay i see where you're going with that some would argue that it may not have been as overt but what if people argue that it's just more covert now actually even even the covert argument you can't make because on both fronts it was way worse back then so you're saying that it's not you're saying that it's not really valid to say that the the systemic race but when how about how, what if people make the argument and this is the argument like i said this is the argument that area makes he makes the argument that the systemic racism from the past mm-hmm. has led to generational issues that have been passed on on and on from generation to generation that has led to this point things that haven't been addressed and that is why we're here today. He's not saying necessarily. I mean, look, look, look. Here is mine, and here is where where I'll just come from. Mm-hmm. There actually might might be truth to that whole argument, but here is also another trap which I feel people too easily get into, which we should be careful about. Yeah, it's determinism. Okay. So basically, the whole idea of you know there are there are you know absolute forces beyond your control and your path and your destiny is preordained and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 that's something that many of these arguments fall into. And I would also say that, um, 
one second. Yeah, think about it, man. Think about it, because this is one of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would also say that um, sh like yeah, sure. Let's even assume that but like you know they're factors from like you know a hundred years, a hundred and fifty years. We still carry on till this very day. Yes. Well, let's also ask: Are there any factors which have developed, like let's say you know, in the past fifty years, forty years, thirty years? Are there any factors you know whereby there's some level of control over. So like, for example, let's give a very good example. Mm -hmm. Look at a, a city like Baltimore. Baltimore isn't far from here. Yes. Look at the amount of students that are produced from Baltimore mm -hmm. every single year. Who possibly can't compete in this society at all? Yes. Why is that so? Are we saying that, that no possible steps no matter how small or incremental mm -hmm. can be done in this day and age to try address those issues. I'm sure steps have been taken. Steps have been taken. But so, so I guess what, what I'm trying to, I'm missing your point here. So what okay, okay. no, no, here's the logic. Um, here's in. obviously kids who come out of the schools in Baltimore. Yes. When the, when, when, you know, for example, they come out of 12th grade and people who come out of 12th grade on average are, are reading at the level of, God knows, yes. fifth grade. It happens a lot, by they, the way. Like, like Baltimore is famous for that thing. That's why I said Baltimore. Yeah. Like, basically, when it comes to just like basic skills to interact in society, mm. to make themselves competitive, it means that it's a huge disadvantage. And obviously, man must survive and yeah. must have meals. So they revert to crime and, and my point is are people trying to tell me indirectly that nothing can be done to reform the school systems to change how things are a lot of things can be done but why aren't they done the leadership or rather lack of oh, okay then we should begin there because here's the main thing at the, at the end of the day do not get me wrong here I'm not going to contest that, like, you know, in life, you know, at mm -hmm. whatever stage, whether it's in an individual or a collective um, 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 stage, that mm -hmm. there definitely are things which are outside the control of people. Yes. With, like, like that, yeah. that's life. So, so, Toby, some people argue, right, that, and this has happened, and I know this, in Baltimore, mm -hmm. they increased the amount of funding for Baltimore City schools. I am 100% aware I was they gonna, did. They increased I, the amount of I was, funding. I was the governor say, of the governor, Governor Hogan. Yeah. At some point, he was wondering. I was we, actually going to say. So much, I did know at some point the 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 per per cost per student, right? Mm -hmm. In the state of Maryland, it was on par with the per cost per student in Moco County. You you know where Moco County is, right? Um, Mo Montgomery County. Montgomery County. Yeah. It's one of the richest counties in the country. In the country. Yeah, yeah. And it's and, one of the richest and I was and I, it was on par. I was actually and they say, saw that this thing wasn't making any difference. I was, I was actually gonna say this money wasn't one making thing, any difference. One thing which people should, should disabuse themselves of when it comes to education funding in this country, many arguments always begin with the assumption that education has been underfunded. People should remove that lie from their head. You don't understand. There, there, I was there, shocked when I found graph, out how much there is, Corey, they were spending Corey, on, on these Corey, kids. Corey, Corey, there is a And apparently graph. they have like supplies. There's like tons of supplies in these schools Corey, that are not being used. They're Corey, underused. Corey, there is a graph showing um the educational funding 
from around 1970 to right now. I kid you not, that graph is the nearest thing to a straight line graph you can find. You can put a ruler through that then and all those dots will probably probably join. Meanwhile, while that graph is positive and just keeps going up year and year, decade after, mm-hmm. math scores, English scores are basically um, straight horizontal lines. Meaning that despite the despite the despite the fondant, yeah, um, scores haven't changed. So, now some people would argue, and and I know this. It's not even a matter of argue. Some people argue that no matter how much money you throw at schools, right? Mm-hmm. If it, the the kids are still going through issues at home. Yeah, which is also point number two. The kids are going through issues at home where they, they, you know, a lot of kids don't have like the role models Mm -hmm. that are forcing them, that are enforcing these values of how important, yeah, these ethos of how important school is, you you know, and, and that in itself has its problems. You know why? Because you have these, a lot of them working class black folks Mm -hmm. that are busy working two, three jobs to keep the lights on. True. They can't afford babysitters. They can't afford people to come tutor their kids. Absolutely true. So they end up in this position. And this and again, this is something that Ariane would also argue. They end up in this position where it's almost like they it's almost like they're they're screwed if they do. They're screwed if they like either way they're screwed because there's no one enforcing these kids to like do their homework and to take this school true. seriously. So then what happens then? You know, if if you if 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 we're saying that, I mean, look, if we're saying that we can't throw money at the edu- education system, then how else do we address it? No, no, I really want to know. Because no, no. know that know that we can't throw money. A ton of money has been thrown. Has been thrown already, and it's still being thrown. So right. basically, the conclusion you have to draw is money isn't the problem. So what then? What is then? I mean, like all I would just say is there are underlying social factors and, and issues which are simply taboo to talk about. And let's talk about it. Now. <laughs> let's talk about okay, it. Okay, now, let me give a very good example. Have you ever heard about the um the, the, the Moynihan Report? Vaguely. I, I've heard people bring it up, but remind me. Okay, like, like basically, like, um, Daniel Patrick Moynihan in the 60s. Yes. Was, I believe, working for the Department of Labor or something. Mm-hmm. Developed a report and where he basically said a couple of things. That, number one, the pathology of black people has to do with um, family breakdown and breakdown of you know social norms and things like that mm-hmm. um that you know if you do not have functional homes with functional parents and things like that you shouldn't expect kids to do all and actually yes this guy was right but also he came from a background without a father so he kind of knew a thing or two about what he was talking about but obviously yeah. at the time people at the time and even till this day attack him and the, and the reports and call it um victim blaming so basically, when he brought out the report and people began attacking him, mm-hmm. he just simply kept quiet and moved on. Okay, some people would come back and say, "Let's let, even if we're to accept that," mm-hmm. which I think has a lot of credit, credit yeah. by the way. But yeah. but again, these are just people bringing out their own their own point of view. Mm-hmm. We don't know what is the main cause for a fact. Mm-hmm. We can speculate, right? But if we were to accept that, that Moynihan report, and accept that it's the lack of, I guess, fathers or father figures, right? Yeah. Fathers and 
mothers and you yes, know. and like stable families, mm-hmm. right? In certain communities, mm-hmm. that's causing these structural issues, issues. and causing these um, a perpetual state of like uh, poverty. Well, poverty intergenerational intergenerational, you know, um, poverty. poverty. People would argue and come back and say, "Well, the war on drugs." locked up a lot of black folks. I was also going to come to the war on drugs. Right, which, which comes back to the so, war on drugs. So, so that's also And the war on drugs is something that was enacted by the government. So they're, True. So then they're going to say, well, you guys locked up all our fathers I mean, <laughs> in the 80s and the I mean, 90s based to, on this to be very, indiscriminate To be very war. truthful. To be very truthful. I agree with the war on drugs arguments. And here's the thing. People who look at this whole um, thing always look at it with a blind eye mm-hmm. people will look at it from the angle of you know the war on drugs but will never look at it from the angle of the Monaghan reports or people will look at it from the Monaghan report mm-hmm. or never talk about the war on drugs i talk about both okay and i guess the question is which have we because you know the, the war on drugs is not is nowhere as bad as it used to be compared in the 80s yeah but it's still, it's still going on yeah it's still going on some people would ask right but is the was the war on drug systemically targeting black people uh some people have have tried bringing out like some evidence that like the nixon white house used it as um a new kind of um jim crow i mean like that's the whole thesis of the whole book of michelle alexander okay and things like that but like the blind spots people like michelle alexander have is that and people never talk about is, is really speaking one of the constituencies for beginning the, the the Rockefeller drug laws in the state of New York, which mm-hmm. eventually became federal laws. Yeah. We're actually black working class people. That came up with these laws. No, that, that lobbied. That lobbied for these laws. In the state of New York, because there were the, the Rockefeller drug laws. It was actually black working class people. That lobbied for them. Yeah, because I mean in like in the, in but, the but then it was demo but it was democratic leadership that carried no. carried them out for the most part. No, at the time, Rockefeller was a liberal, a liberal re- Republican in the state of, in the state of um, liberal Union. Republican. Yeah, like there's a. Have you ever heard about the term Rockefeller Republicans? Uh, no, not really. I mean, like the Rockefeller re- Republicans were probably, the peak of their power was probably in the 1970s, and they've died out since. But basically, they they were like the the more liberal, more uh, moderate elements of the Republican Party. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Basically like Rockefeller, the Rockefeller industrial family. That's yeah. that's where their genesis is from. Okay. So so we're so we're back to this was something that was lobbied for by the black community. Yeah, yeah. In 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 huge degrees. Like there there are video clips, tons of evidence from the late sixties, early seventies of black clergy in the state of New York and working class people, you know, saying lock up those people with you know drugs they're destroying our, our communities and it comes back to to something to something you said um in the last podcast we did yeah you said something to the effect of there are studies which actually show that black prosecutors are more harsh yeah and black judges there so but, but we're not hearing this in mainstream media it goes it goes against the narrative. We're not the hearing these arguments. It goes against the narrative. 
I'm telling you, man, we're doing such a disservice by not talking it on all It goes against because the narrative. The, the narrative that's prevalent, there are, there are real points to them. You know, no, they, no, no, like, like, they, like I've always said, in a sense, I can understand what the what like the black communities in the state of New York in the early seventies were thinking. Yeah, these were like middle working class people who didn't want their neighborhoods and communities to fall into disrepair. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand to that point, but also I can also you know ask that like you know were there other techniques they could use? Because without a doubt, yeah, it will be preposterous to say that um they began it with the intent of creating the world's biggest population prison. Um, the world's biggest prison population ever. Yeah, I doubt they ever had those intents, but things have a way whereby unintended consequences. The intents might be noble. It might begin as something small, and it snowballs into something. And and plus, like even like even look at the whole like you know um Bi- um Biden crime bill of ninety four. Yeah, the truth of the matter is the CBC supported him. Like let CBC. What's the CBC again? The Congressional. Oh, the Congress. Yes. Like, yes. Let's be real. Yes, let's be did. real over here. They did. They did. They did. So, <sighs> so, so, yeah. But it, just, but it didn't just start with them. They also started with Ronald Reagan's drug wars too. I mean, Ronald Reagan was modest compared to Biden. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's just no, no. Like, uh, like, 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 um. Probably we should provide the article in the show notes. Like, okay. there's actually like a chrono a chronology of how Biden was actually key in creating many of this um drug war laws, from the seventies really? to the eighties to the nineties. Let's do that. Send it to me if you find it. Let's. I would like to. I'd like to do that. Yeah, I'll send but it to you. I think we're we're over our time now, man. This was this was another really 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 good conversation. Um, man, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to think about. And um, yeah, man. Any last words? Um, do you do you see any twi- any any additional twists and turns coming in the next couple of weeks? Um, oh, I'll just say it's in like the lead up to the elections. Like, definitely, there probably will, 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 will be surprises along the way. Yeah. Um, October surprises galore. There is the whole thing about how um, what they call it. We might not know the election results on on election day, or how on election day it might seem as if um. Trump is winning, and then you know mm-hmm. the ballots change everything. Yeah, I'll just say we never might know, and all we should just remember is that in many ways, the media is whipping up hysteria, which people are f- falling for. Yeah, I agree. So people should be like discerning and really think hard about. I know, man. Um, and Look, um, what I always tell people is that don't get all your news from the same source group of media, like. If you get all your news from traditional news media, if you get everything from traditional news media, you you will be so played. You need to you need to mix it up. I look, I I I watch all of them. I watch CNNs, I watch the MSNBCs, I watch the Fox Newses, and I also rely on independent journalists out there too. The the more independent leaning ones, um, I I, I follow the progressive left news sources. Some of them on YouTube. Um, I pay attention to everything, man. Uh-huh. And I'm telling you, man, if if you're only paying attention to one particular type of news source, you will be so misled. You will Very be true. so misled. Very true. I promise you. In the lead up to this election, man, please shine your eye. Shine your eye. I beg. <laughs> but um, but uh, it's been another good conversation. Actually, I have the article here. You do? 
Yeah, I'll have to send it to Corey. Send it to me. Um, yeah. The name of the article is um, Joe Biden, the Architect of, of, of America's Disastrous War on Drugs by Brittany Hunter. Brittany Hunter? Well, which publication is that? The Foundation for Economic Education. Interesting. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, it's been a, it's been a good one, man. It's been real. Toby, uh, let's do this again soon and sooner than later. Should we make the announcement here? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah. So um, I actually came up with an idea. Um, yeah. We're, we're still floating it, and we'll see how the logistics would work. Yep. But very possibly, on election night, mm -hmm. we might possibly run something that runs through the whole night. So who yes. knows, from like 6, 7 we're to going like, live. It's like 12, we're live. We're going live, YouTube. People, we're going live. People can call in and... They're going live. And and yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, we're definitely going live. Election night, we're going live. Ah, it's going to be a, it's gonna be a long night, let me tell you that. But um, yeah, and we're probably going to have different news we're going to be watching different news channels mm -hmm. and the different feeds and the different announcements coming out for all the states mm -hmm. um but yeah man thank you all for listening to the two tobies you all have a good one you too take care bye bye, bye.